Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Necessarily responsible, or, or or should I feel the pressure rather to to provide and take on the scope of care for? No, I I have a God, and it is not me. I have a shepherd who leads me and cares for me. It is not me. I serve a God who I have a covenant with that He is my provider and He is my protector. And so we're talking today about giving. Uh, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nineteen, is where we're going to start this morning. And um, can, can I ask Caleb, my brother-in-law Caleb, he is the best. Would you grab me a water? Would you do that? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Caleb, we, we all appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Um, my mouth is getting rather, rather sticky. Um, it's like too much information, Brandon. Please keep that to yourself. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But rather lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, the the reason I'm telling you to posture your life this way, is because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to read those three verses one more time, just to allow those words to sink in maybe one layer deeper. Again, the words of Jesus, he says, do not, do not, don't lay up for yourself treasures here on this earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, wherever you're storing up treasure, wherever you're putting the treasure, the value of your life. Your heart, your heart will be there also. If you're taking notes or you have a, a study guide, you already know that the, the title of the sermon today is simply this, a passion for giving. Did you know that as believers, what, one of the things that should characterize and mark our life is that we should be marked with a passion for giving, a passion for generosity, a passion to to focus more on what we can give than what we, we can receive. That, that word passion, it means a strong, driving, at times uncontrollable emotion or conviction that one lives with. Like, like for, for example, uh, my kids, I have four kids, uh, Evelyn, Brooklyn, Graham, and Bethany. And uh, my four, four kids, well, my three kids right now, but soon to be my fourth kid, um, they are passionate about Donut Saturday. We, we instituted, I don't remember when we did this, uh, my wife likes to remind me that I instituted this, and so I uh, hold the responsibility for this, um, but we instituted Donut Saturday, and not every Saturday, but a lot of Saturdays, we'll, we'll get up, 
and we'll, we'll, we'll go to Dunkin' Donuts and we'll get all their favorite donuts and we'll, we'll have donuts Saturday and we'll have just a family morning where we're just spending time together as, as a family. But my kids, they are passionate about Donut Saturday. They have a strong driving, thank you so much, Corey, a strong driving, almost at times uncontrollable emotion and conviction about Donut Saturday to the point that it was not a, a fun five, ten minutes yesterday when I informed them Donut Saturday had been canceled. And we're not doing Donut Saturday today. We're doing Dad Drinks Coffee and Has Quiet Time Saturday because that's what your mom and I need right now. But it's, it's, it's something on the inside that it drives you. The, the Bible teaches us cover to cover in principle, practice, pattern, that as believers we should have a passion for our giving. Giving is not something we do because it's an obligation. G giving and generosity isn't something that we do because it's the cheat code on how to get God to bless us and somehow realize the American dream we have in our mind. No, giving, it's, it should define the, the way we live and we think about and we steward every part of our life. You, you might say, well, why? Why should we be passionate? Well, I'll give you two quick reasons. Number one, because we serve a God who is passionate about giving. We serve a God who has passion for giving and generosity. Like, I know we all know the scripture, but I, I think we don't think about it a lot of times like this. John 3.16. John 3.16, what does it say? God so loved the world that he, that he gave. God so loved the world. God so had a passion for people, for humanity, for you and I that he demonstrated, he proved, he put on display this love through his, through his generosity, through, through, through giving. The Bible says, Psalm 37, verse 25, that God, he actually takes delight, he finds pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That like a good dad does, God, he's passionate about seeing his kids blessed. He's passionate about seeing you and I prosper and realize the, the, the inheritance we have and the fulfillment of God's promises. The Bible says in Matthew 7-11, I always remember it because as a kid, I used to love to go to 7-11. I was like, Dad, can we please go to 7-11 and get a Slurpee? It wasn't a slushy; it was a Slurpee at 7-11. And, and I always remember it because Matthew 7-11, it, it says, don't you remember that our God, he is a, he's a good father. Who, who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus is teaching, and he says, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find, be, because your, your, your dad, he is a good father who gives good things to his children who ask of him. We serve a God who is passionate about giving, who has over and over demonstrated and proven himself faithful in that he gives generously. To you and I, does he not? The second reason is, you know, closely behind that. It's that the Bible says that we're to be imitators of God. We won't re read the verse for time's sake, but Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Dear children, be imitators of God. Like, like a child would look up to their father, would look up to their dad, and would want to emulate or imitate. He, Paul, Paul says, you are to imitate, imitate and emulate. Emulate your God in character, 
We should be looking at God saying, God, it's my desire through the help of the Holy Spirit that I'm becoming more like you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we, we, we will read this one. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He, he, he says, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm leaning in. I'm saying, give God your whole life. And we're, we're going to talk today about giving as it relates to finances. But can I say that giving really doesn't stop when it, when it, uh, when it comes to, to generosity with money. That, that no, our, our giving is our whole life. Finances are a part of that, but it, it's only a part because we as followers of Jesus, we've made a decision that we've given God our entire life. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm, I'm begging you, would you present your life a living sacrifice? Give it to God, holy, acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. In light of all that God has given, in light of all that God has done, in light of the finished work of Jesus and all that we've been brought into, he says, it's your, it just makes sense. It's your reasonable service that you would give your whole life sacrificially to, to God. We should be passionate about giving because our God is passionate about giving and we're called to be imitators of God. Brandon, when it comes to giving, what, what are we really talking about? I want, I want to narrow down our, our giving today as it relates to finances into just the three categories. And um, it should come up on the screen, these three categories that we're going to touch on. Again, overview, um, but it's tithe, giving God the first 10% of all that, that we have. Okay, well, honey, pack the purse up. It's time to go. That's Old Testament. And, and that, that is true. That was established in the Old Testament. That's absolutely true. But, but what we often don't, don't realize or we, we forget is that it is in the Old Testament and it was a part of the law of Moses, but the principle or pattern of tithing was actually introduced as a practice and pattern of, of worshiping God before the law was even in existence. We, we have in, in the book of Genesis, remember the story of Cain and Abel, and it's the story of a, of a, of a tithe, an offering, a first fruit that was brought to God in, in worship. We, we have our father Abraham. You, you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I see someone right now just, just singing the song. They just went back like 35 years into Sunday school, and they're like, yes, Father Abraham. But, but Abraham, he tithed to, to Melchizedek, which was a type and a shadow of the person of Jesus. And yes, the principle of tithe, it is part of, part of the law, but it's a pattern and a practice that we see cover to cover. And you can go through the teachings and the, the, uh, the example that Jesus left. You can look at the example that the early church gave us and the teachings and the writings of the apostles. Tithing, well, maybe in the New Testament, it isn't legalistically limited to a 10% value. It's, it's a principle and a pattern and a practice that still applies to us today in the New Testament. Bringing to God the first of our increase. Being in covenant relationship with God, saying, God, everything you give me, it's not mine, it's yours. I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. God, you, you, you didn't, you're not giving this for, for, to me for me to just decide. No, you, you're, you're giving this to me so I can steward it in accordance with what you've asked me. And a part of that is honoring you as the Lord of my life by bringing to you my, my tithe. Second category, and I threw up the number three, that's helpful. Uh, second category is talking about offering. 
anything that we're bringing to God above and beyond that is a gift of our worship to him. You get, get invited to a graduation party or a birthday party, and you're honoring that person with, with your presence there. I'm, I'm at the party, man. I came. It's a Saturday. Like, there's a game on that I want to watch right now, but I'm here at the party because I love you. And you, you might bring that person a card and write some words of encouragement and affirmation in there. But then a lot of times, what do you do? You put a, you put a gift in there. Be, because generosity, like we see in John 3.16, it still is one of the greatest demonstrations of love. And so we, 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 we give a, a card, but then we, we put a gift in there above and beyond because we're saying, hey, I love you. I value you. Offering is anything that's above our, our, our tithe that's a gift of worship unto God. And then thirdly, a lifestyle of generosity. An overall lifestyle that is lived, fully surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit and is continually looking and listening for anywhere that God would ask us to freely and generously give, to bless people, to serve people to advance his kingdom, to build his church, to reach people. A lifestyle of generosity says, yeah, I, I'm faithful in my tithe and I'm faithful to bring, bring God gifts of worship as my heart is led, but, but my whole life is lived this way. I, I don't just do, do my tithe and do my offering and go, great, I'm off the hook, now I can. No, my whole life is postured in a way that says I'm living. Well, I'm, I'm living not conformed to the pattern of this world. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's the first thought that I want you to catch, and it's simply this, that when it comes to giving, these three categories in alignment with an overall lifestyle of generosity, the first thing we have to realize is that when it comes to giving, that giving is a matter of the heart. It's not about the money. Pastor Gill has been saying this for years. I can remember being in high school and hearing Pastor Gill say this, that it's not about the money. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our money. The, the church doesn't need our money. God is the church's provider. It's not about the money. Giving always comes back to the, to the heart. In Matthew 16, 19 through 21, we read this, but Jesus said, here's how I want you to posture your heart. Here's how I want you to posture your entire life. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you know what Jesus is doing? He's not just giving us good investment advice. Hey, if, if, if I were you, man, I just, like, you, you do you. But if I were you, I wouldn't be investing in this stuff right here. Moth, rust, ever heard of it? It's going to ruin it, man. And did you know that there, I mean, no one here, except for Judas, there are legitimately people here on this earth, they're thieves. They will, he, he's not giving, like, advice on how to make the best investment so it lasts the longest. No, he, he's teaching us a posture of heart. And what he's reminding us is that as a New Testament believer, our life is no longer about ourselves. There's this thing called the great co-mission. And it's not just for pastors and leaders and really overzealous spiritual Christians. No, it's, it's for every single person that would put their faith and trust in Jesus. Everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus, we've been, we, we've been uh, brought into this great co-mission. And that is our entire life should be lived, should be postured 
to give and leverage all that we can to reach people. There's a pastor friend of mine, I love the way that they say it. They just say, it's about souls saved and disciples made. Our whole life is postured to say, God, I just want to be used by you to see people who are far from God come, come close to him. I just want to be used by you to see people who don't know the love and the life and the free and full forgiveness that Jesus has to offer hear the good news. God, I want to see broken people get healed and restored. My whole life, God, I want to be used to help people grow in relationship with God. It's about soul saved and disciples made. A New Testament mindset goes, it's not about me. My, my life is no longer, it's what Jesus said, it's no longer about just storing up for myself as much treasure right here, right now that I can, that, that I can give. See, that's countercultural, though. Maybe which is why Paul says in Romans 12 too, hey, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind to God's word and, and, and God's ways. It's so countercultural, but New Testament theology teaches us we're not to give our life anymore. Just compiling for ourselves. I just, I just, I want to get this amount of money, and I want to be able to have this amount in retirement and this amount in savings, and I love to be able to get to a place where we can do this and we can do that, and, and we have all these hobbies and all these things that we give our time and our attention and our money to, and there's nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that if our heart's not postured right, we can begin to live life with a consumer mentality, not realizing that, no, 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 we're, we're not called to just consume, we're called to contribute. That our whole life is to be lived not storing up treasure on this earth, but storing up treasure in, in heaven. One of my favorite scriptures is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul, is, he, he's writing and he says this, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, it's my favorite part of the verse, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. One translation says to all who have longed for his appearing. What, what is Paul doing? Paul's echoing what Jesus is teaching us. Right? I haven't been living my life since I've been introduced to Jesus just storing up treasure for myself. I've been living as a, as a drink offering. I've, I've been living postured to give and to serve so I could see God's kingdom advance, the gospel go forward, his church built, his people established, and he goes, finally, there's laid up for me treasure, a crown of righteousness for me. And, and he says, and to all, who long, all who have the same anticipation and the same revelation that God really is coming back, that Jesus really will return. And when he does, all the things that we are stacking up for ourselves, they won't seem as significant as they do right now. Because all that will be left are things that are eternal. And Je Jesus says, he says, I want you to think this way. Why? Because verse 21 because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Did you know that how we steward our life, in particular we're talking today finances, how we steward our money is a great revealer of where our heart is? Like this, this might not, not apply to you, but let me just kind of tell you how these categories really help reveal things in my heart. I mean, again, I don't step on your toes. You may be wearing flip-flops or sandals, although in this weather, I would not understand that. But, um, but this, this is me, okay? So, so just this is me. But when it comes to tithe, it's a great revealer of where my heart is. I, I've heard pa- Pastor Gil say this, that pastors and teachers may have a gift for teaching, but they certainly don't have an extra gift for, for living this stuff out. That, that it takes faith and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for every single one of us to live this out. And I, I just know for me personally, when it comes to tithe, being committed to faithfully bringing God the first of all my increase, it reveals to me on a continual basis, who, who is Lord of my life? And who, who am I trusting as the provider for for my needs. See, it, it's a great reminder every single time that my, my wife and I get paid and we say, God, this, this is a covenant we have with you. The first, not the leftover, but the first of our increase, it goes to you faithfully. It reminds us and reveals to us whether or not our heart has been postured to say, Jesus, you are Lord of our life. We are not Lord. We are not master. We are not ruler. We're not, no, you are the Lord of our life, and we are not trusting in our ability. We're trusting in your ability to freely and fully provide for all that we have need of. I'll tell you, anytime that the Lord prompts us to bring offering, a gift over and above our tithes to honor God and worship, it's a test of my heart. It reveals in my heart who the true God I'm worshiping really is. Come on, have you ever met anybody that they have some like weird, obscure hobby that they spend like exorbitant amount of money on? And you're like, I'm sorry, you spent how much money on that like special knight's helmet? Like what can, like how much money did you spend? And it doesn't make sense to you because you're like, I don't think I'd ever want a, a 17th century knight's helmet. But to them, it makes sense. Why? Because they have value there. Where, where our money is always shows where our value is, where our worship is. And, and anytime I, I bring offering to the Lord, it's a revealer of my heart. Do I worship God or do I worship me? Am I putting treasure and money in my little kingdom that I'm building and in, in, in me as God saying, I want this and I want this. and we, Or am I saying, no, God, you are God. And before, before anything else, I honor you making room and space to bring offering to worship you. H- having an overall lifestyle of generosity, it's, it's a revealer of my heart whether or not my eyes are focused on me or on God's great plan. Like, have, have you, I mean, probably not because you're so spiritual, but I know I've had instances where I feel like God's leading me to be generous, and I'm like, no, God, because you know what great plans I have for myself next month. Like, like you, you know the things that we're... But it's always a revealer, wait a minute, are my eyes fixed here or are my eyes fixed there? Saying, God, everything you've given me, I have freely put it back in your hands. I'm the steward, not the owner. And however you ask me to steward this, my answer is always yes. And so, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear, to be led by you, to be a blessing to other people to serve other people, to help other people, to be used by you to be a living demonstration of God's love on this earth. 
It's always a revealer of my heart, which, by the way, do you know what God's after? He's not after your money. He's after your heart. What did Jesus say? Matthew 22, he said, the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. God is after the heart, and you just need to know when it comes to giving, when it comes to money, God is after the heart. It's not about your money. It's about the heart. Number two, you can write this down, about obedience in our giving. Obedience in our giving, it always invites God's blessing and his protection. Obedience in our giving always invites God's blessing and God's protection. Okay, Brandon, well, now you've lost me. Because we've already been blessed in Christ Jesus. We're under the new covenant. and We've already been blessed in Christ. True. But go with me, not on the screen, but just in your mind for a second. Remember Romans 5.2 says that we, we have by faith, someone say by faith. We have by faith been given access to this grace in which we now stand. So Romans 5.2, Romans 5.1 will just say Paul is acknowledging that we, we are now, because of the finished work of Jesus, we are now justified, declared righteous by God, and are perpetually at peace with him. And verse 2, he says, and now by faith, we're standing in the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love, blessing, favor, provision, all that God has given us, his full inheritance, we are standing in it. But what we often don't consider is that he says, you gain access to it by faith. That's just like, you know, like, 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 like believing it, right? And, and then like getting really excited about it and like being like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Red Ferrari, red Ferrari. Thank you. That, no, we, we, we have teachings from the book of James that tell us this, that, that we're to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Do, do you know who Jesus P.S., the author and the finisher of the new covenant. Do you know who Jesus said, said are those who are blessed? Those who are not only hearers of his word, but doers of his word. Jesus said, he, he said, said come to me, all you, you who, who, who would desire, and anyone who hears will have a strong life. Nope. That's a lot of people that hear. He says, no, no, anyone who hears and puts my ways into practice their, their life will, will be built upon a strong foundation. And whatever storm wants to come can come. They won't be moved because their life has been built on the foundation of hearing, receiving, but then by faith putting into practice the ways and the words of, of Jesus. J James says, you, you could say you have faith. I don't want to like, you know, get canceled, so I won't say you don't, but let's just call it, call it even. I'll just show you my faith by the way that I live. Faith is demonstrated in obedience to God's word. It's not legalistic. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. That, that's not legalism. Legalism is when we are doing things thinking that it is our good works that earn and deserve our love and approval and position with God. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus has finished that work. And so now through his finished work, we are perpetually at peace with God. We are loved by God. We're accepted by him. His grace and his favor is upon us. But faith demonstrates, faith through obedience in God's word, it demonstrates our trust in him. And, and it is our obedience when it comes to the principles, patterns, and practices, the ways of God when it comes to giving that invites God's blessing and invites a supernatural protection 
over our life. We don't have time to read them all, so I'll just kind of give you the overview, and I will just trust that you're a good Bible student and you'll go read them and study them. But we, we see in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, we, we won't read them, but Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, God tells his people, he says, bring to me all of the tithe. Bring to me all the tithe. Test me and try me to see if I'm not faithful and I'm not able. Bring me your tithe. He says, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour upon you such blessing. You will not have room enough to receive it. And also I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. John 10.10, Jesus said there's a thief and he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says we got to be sober, be vigilant because the adversary, he's looking for every opportunity. And God says, test me, try me. Bring to me, honor me as Lord and bring to me your tithe and see if I will not not only bless you, but if I will not rebuke the devourer and set a hedge of protection over your your life. Proverbs chapter 3, some of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, I believe it is, talking about worship. The Bible says, honor or worship the Lord with your possessions. With the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I love Proverbs 11, verse 25 through 26, I believe it is, but it says, there's one who scatters, sorry, Proverbs eleven twenty-four. there's one who scatters, who lives an overall lifestyle of generosity, always saying, God, just use me. God, this is not mine, it's yours. I'm a steward, God, just use me. God, I wanna bless, I wanna show people your love. I wanna help people, I wanna be used to to be a blessing, to serve. There's one who scatters, yet the funny thing is they increase even more. Yet there's one who withholds more than is is right. It's, It's not wisdom, by the way, to just scatter and give when you're not being led by the Lord. But there's one who withholds more than is right. What, what's more than is right? Uh, when, when, when God is speaking to you and God is prompting you and God is leading you and you go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Grace, man, you know, grace, I'm good. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. I love this promise. The generous soul, the generous soul will be made rich. Now, hold, hold on real quick. Don't, don't, don't Americanize that. Whoo! Praise God. God, help me to have a generous soul because I'm trying to get mad rich right now. That's, no, no, no. Let's just realize that, that, that's, that, that, that that's not God's economy. Does God want to bless us? Absolutely. But God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. God wants to increase us so we can steward that faithfully. I heard someone, someone one time, they, they said, you know, I used to pray that God would make me a millionaire. He said, I don't do that anymore. You know what I pray now? That God would give me a surrendered heart that I'd be able to steward millions well for his kingdom. I'm not, I'm not just trying to, trying to get money. No, I'm saying, God, I want to be used by you. So will God bless us and increase us? Absolutely. But Proverbs says that the generous eye, you can put that back up there, Proverbs. Uh, yeah, the generous soul will be made rich, and I love this. And he who waters... He who is a blessing will also be watered himself. Can can I just say this? There is not a more abundant, secure, joy-filled life than than, than the generous life. It's the soul of the generous that not only has all their needs met, but that lives free and easy and light and 
fulfilled on the inside. Because their trust is not in self, their, their trust is, is in God. Galatians 6, 7, Paul says, don't be deceived, God's not mocked, whatever man sows, that he will also reap. In other words, you can't outgive God. The Bible says, you know, sow. As God's leading you, you sow, you sow, and God will be faithful that everything you sow, you will reap. Number three, you can write this down, my last point this morning, and we'll close with this. But simply this, that we really can trust our God because God is faithful to meet all of our needs. God's faithful to meet all of our needs. He is faithful to meet all of our needs. Philippians chapter 4, 19 The Apostle Paul is writing on the heels of the church of Philippi, giving a very generous gift. And their generosity was because there was a ministry need. And they said, we we might not have everything, but we have something. And we're going to give as the Lord would lead us so the gospel can keep moving forward. And and in in response, Paul is writing and and he's thanking them, but he's assuring them. And he, he says this, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Why, 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 why do I give you the context? Because sometimes we, we like to find really great promises in the Bible, really great scriptures, but, but, but we don't allow ourselves to climb into the context. And so we, for, for, forgive my, 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 my verbiage, but we, we, we name it and claim it. Well, you know, my God says, He'll supply all my need according to his riches and glory. True. But let's put that in context. Paul is writing to people who have given themselves to God. Paul is writing to people who have surrendered themselves to him. Paul Paul is writing to people who have said, God, our life is not our own, but we, we are living on mission to give and to freely be used by you. And in context, what we can gather from this is that God is faithful to meet the needs of those who are surrendered and submitted to him. Does that mean that it's, it's a legalistic? No, no, it's not legalistic. doesn't mean that if, you know, you, 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 you haven't been perfect or you don't, you know, you don't do everything the, the right way in, in perfection that God's going to cross his arms. No, 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 no. But it's the principle we have to understand that God has committed himself to faithfully provide and supply all the need of those who have put their faith and their trust in him as provider. I, I remember when I was about, I don't know, 22, 23 years old, um, God, God, God was, was teaching me the, these principles. And I, I don't know where, what, how, how you're wired, what your personality is, um, but to a, de- to, to a default, I am so idealistic. And, and so one of my greatest struggles has been taking principles and things that I learned in the Bible and then just making them legalistic practices. Well, if I don't do this and if I don't do it perfect, it's not going to work, and God's going to be mad at me. And, I'm, and, and, I, and I used to live like that. And I remember just you know, getting really convicted that, no, I want to be generous. God, I want to posture my life forever to be faithful in my tithe. God, I want, I want to live open-handed, and I want to be able to bring offering to you and to worship you in my giving. God, I want to have a, a, just a soul, an eye, a life that I'm generous to just look and find the need and be used by you. But, but, but I was young, and I wasn't thinking and I was super, super excited that I finally had enough money in my little checking account to pay off the last little part of a student loan. And so I, I was so pumped. I, I went online and I went click, 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 pay. And I was driving in the car. 
I was on 160, coming up to Gold Hill, turning to head towards Knightsbridge, where, where my parents lived. And it, it occurred to me, oh, shoot. I don't have any money to tithe now. I, I was giving, I just got so pumped and so excited that I'm like, pay, 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 I did it. And, and I didn't even consider that for me to bring tithe and offering now, I'm going to overdraft my little checking account. And, and I remember driving in the car and just feeling like this almost sense of panic, again, because it was legalistic to me, legalistic. Oh, man, oh, man, okay, okay, well, uh, now God's hedge of protection isn't on me. Uh, he's removed his promise to rebuke the devourer, and I, and, and I remember being like, why? Well, and so I called my dad, and I explained to my dad. And have you ever been on the phone with someone, and you, like, they don't even say anything. You can just hear their smile over the phone. It's like I could hear my dad's big smile. He said, oh, Brandon, question for you. Take, take God out of the picture. If this were, were, were me and you, what would you do? Thought about it. Well, I, I know that, that you're, like, like you, you're not like that, Dad. You've demonstrated over and over and over again not only your love for me, but your grace and your mercy when I miss it big. And oh, have I missed it big in my 33 years on life so far. But you've always demonstrated just your faithfulness and your generosity. So I'd, I'd probably just tell you that I, 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 I made a boo-boo and, um, and, and just receive your grace. I'll never forget this. Driving on Gold Hill, he said, how, how come you don't think about God like that? Why, why don't you think about God like that? See, my, my whole perspective and mentality was, like, yeah, God, God is love. Cool, but... He's also like this really righteous, angry God with his arms crossed that these are my ways, and if you do not do them to perfection, then you're out of the club. It's not God. That's not our good heavenly father. I remember driving, just being so overwhelmed with this reality that, wow, God is such a good heavenly father more than I even, I even realized. Still, still remember my dad's words in the car, him saying, hey, just like you would with me, just go talk to God. He already knows. Man, you, like, like your heart's right. Just go talk to God. What, what does Hebrews say that, that we, we've, been, we've been welcomed into the throne room of grace? What does the Bible say that we can now, because of Jesus' finished work, we can now run boldly the throne room of, not condemnation, not guilt, throne room of grace, to throne room of unearned, undeserved, unmerited love and blessing and favor, the heart of our good heavenly father. And it says we can run boldly to that throne room of grace and we can receive from him the mercy that we need, the grace we need in our time of need. I remember going to God. I've never thought about giving the same way since, since that car ride and that phone, I remember going to God just saying, God, I repent. I've been thinking about this like it's money you're after. And, and I know that it's not because I've heard the teachings, but God, I've, I've been so fixated on these legalistic principles. I gotta tie this and I gotta do that and I gotta, and I'm missing it. You want my heart? I remember being in the car just with tears, just repenting, God, I repent. I repent for the way I've been thinking about it. 
I repent for me being careless in this area and that area. And I can't tell you how many times since that day that I've had a similar conversation with my heavenly father as I'm growing. Perfection is not the goal. Progress is the goal. We will never arrive at a point of perfection. Ta-da, I've arrived. I am the second coming of Christ. That will never happen. Perfection is not the goal. Progress is. God, every day I want you to help me keep keep moving forward. I want to be an imitator of God. God, you're passionate about giving. You're passionate about your generosity. God, I want to be like that. So Holy Spirit, every single day, I just bring you my heart. I surrender it to you. I humble it before you. I repent of any sin, any ways that I'm not in alignment with your ways. And I ask you that you would forgive me. You'd give me mercy, but you'd give me grace to do it your way. Can I encourage you today, wherever you are, when it comes to giving, it's not about the money, man. God God doesn't need your money. God's not trying to get more zeros in his heavenly bank account. Trust me, he has plenty. It's not about your money, man. It's about your heart. God's after our heart, a heart that is fully surrendered to him saying, I want to love you and honor you above all else. I honor you as Lord. I love you and I worship you as my savior. I've given my whole life, Jesus, not to gather treasure on earth, but to put treasure in heaven, to be a part of your great plan on this earth. It's not about the money. Can I encourage you that, that God is faithful to meet every need and that our obedience to his ways, it invites the blessing of God. It invites the supernatural protection of God. I I do not say this to to arrogantly boast about myself because there is no room to boast at all, but it's the grace of God. I can't remember the last time that I felt anxious about my family being taken care of because because we have just zeros and zeros and zeros and, and safety net on safety net. No, because just something happened when I was younger that I just got convicted I don't know, man. I want to be a good steward. I want to be wise. I want to work hard. I want to take every opportunity God brings before me and leads me into. But at the end of the day, I am not my provider. God is. God, and so I'm, I'm saying yes to your invitation to walk in your ways, to steward my, my life and my giving in your economy because my obedience, it leads to the blessing of God, the provision of God, the supernatural protection protection of God. So, Psalm 91, I, I, don't, I don't know if we can get there on the screen that fast, but Psalm 91, I'll, I'll close with this and I want to pray for you. But Psalm 91, the, the, the psalmist writes, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. God, because I've made you my refuge. Because through faith and obedience to your word and your ways, I've made you my dwelling place. I have a covenant. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. God, you are my protector. You are my provider. And my faith and confidence is not in my ability to figure it out or work it out. It is fully and completely in your promise of protection provision. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you today 
in the name of Jesus. For how good and how gracious you are. God, nobody loves us like you do. There's nobody who loves us as purely and as unconditionally as you do. There is nobody, God, who wants our best, who longs for us to fulfill every ounce of purpose and potential that you have for us like you do. God, nobody cares like you do. No one sees past, present, and future, the intricate detail of life and circumstance and cares like you do, God. And nobody is as generous as you are. Nobody is as generous with with love, with forgiveness, with grace, with mercy, with provision, with protection. God, you are the one, the only, and the true God. And you're a good God. And so today we make a decision to no longer put trust and confidence in self, but surrender to you. God, I pray that for every one of us, you would help us wherever we are to know what the next step you're asking us to take is. Maybe it's repenting of mindsets and ways we've been thinking and living that are not in alignment with you. Maybe it's, maybe it's taking a step of faith and beginning to give, beginning to tithe, beginning to think about stewardship differently. God, whatever it is you're speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus, would you help us today? to not sit on our hands, but to take the next step you're calling us into. We thank you for your faithfulness to teach, to speak, to lead, to guide us today, ultimately because you have a desire for life and life to the full for us and for our family in Jesus' name. This morning, church, you can stand on your feet with me, and as you do, we're gonna sing one last worship chorus. And as we sing one last worship for us, I'd invite you, our prayer and our altar teams are available. And if you have any kind of a need today or any kind of a way you want to respond and you want someone to agree with you in prayer, I'd encourage you to come and find someone that can pray with you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.